Good evening, everyone. Uh, the scripture reading for the sermon this evening is from Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. Again, that's Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So for those visitors in the room who may not know, uh, I recently had another uh, child, so this brings the count to three. Uh, and so whenever I'm picked to do uh, lessons in the evenings here, um, I tend to think of something that I'm curious about and what the uh, Bible tells me. And so uh, the sermon tonight is entitled, uh, Sometimes You Have to Say No. And uh, for anyone that's seen me with my older two children, that happens a lot, uh, not only on Sunday mornings, but uh, throughout the week. So uh, the scripture reading for the sermon this evening uh, teaches us how God deals with his children. Along the way, we learn by analogy something about the way earthly parents should discipline their children. Three points deserve our attention. In verse 6, discipline is a sign of love. Verses 7 and 8, discipline is a sign of sonship. Verses 10 and 11, discipline produces godly fruit. We discipline our children because we love them, because they are our children and not someone else's children, and because we want to produce the fruit of godly character in each of them. This perspective is vitally important because from a biblical point of view, discipline is far more than correction of wrongdoing. It is everything parents do to raise their children successfully. It involves years of teaching, training, direction giving, instruction, praising, rebuking, correcting, and sometimes punishing. It requires patience, prayer, positive reinforcement, and helping children see the consequences of bad behavior. If we have done our job well, our children will grow up healthy, independent, productive, well-balanced, obedient, respectful, and wholly devoted to Jesus Christ. That's a tall order, and it won't be realized overnight, but this is our aim as Christian parents. In a sense, Hebrews 12 calls us to look to God as the model parent. We are to study God's methods in dealing with us, and then use those methods in dealing with our children. As God raises his children, so we are to raise ours. Godly parenting begins with the study of God, his character, his methods, his ways, and most of all, his word and instructions for all of us. With that as background, we turn now to some biblical principles regarding raising our children for the Lord. Biblical discipline must reflect a proper mixture of law and grace. God began with the law and moved to grace. Even in the Garden of Eden, God told Adam not to eat from one particular tree. That's the law. Later would come words of grace and ultimately forgiveness. When we raise our children, we must start with law. We must give them rules, and we must set limits. We must tell them what to do and what not to do. Grace must be our attitude, 
but law must flow from our lips. If we leave our children to fend for themselves, we have abdicated our parental calling. Biblical discipline produces positive results. For parents who want to know God's view of child-rearing, look to the book of Proverbs. Over and over again, Solomon says, My son, listen to my commandments and take heed to my words. If we would raise our children according to Proverbs, we could dispense with the vast majority of the secular books on child-rearing. Since this sermon is about discipline, I've chosen some passages that deal directly with this topic. They show the good things that happen when parents follow God's plan. 1. It teaches wisdom. From Proverbs 29.15, The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. The rod of correction stands for the instrument used in discipline, but is not limited to corporal punishment. In the larger context, it refers to whatever you use to punish misbehavior, such as a timeout chair, taking away privileges, grounding a teenager, and so on. Children learn wisdom when there are consequences for disobedience. Two, it saves from death. From Proverbs 23, 13 through 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. Discipline, though it may seem painful at the time, can actually save a person from physical death and perhaps also from spiritual death. Better to discipline today, even though your child sheds a few tears, than to look back and say you failed to give proper guidance. Three, it demonstrates love. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. The word careful means discriminating. It implies that godly parents watch their children at all times to make sure that they are on the right road in life. It promotes domestic peace. From Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Parents who care enough to say no, who set limits and then enforce them, who reward good behavior and punish disobedience, these parents are more likely blessed with happy, well-adjusted, obedient children. More likely. We are to raise our children the way God raises us, with grace, patience, individual attention, and a clear purpose. This brings us back to Hebrews 12 with its emphasis on how God raises his children. We are to do what he does. He disciplines us to bring forth the godly fruit of holiness and righteousness. To do that, he uses hardship, trials, setbacks, sickness, pain, unanswered prayer, and all manner of difficulties that at the time seem hard to endure. Yet in the end, they bring us to maturity and conform us to the image of Christ. As parents, our goal is to move our children from 100% dependence on us to the place of independence so that when they leave the home, they are able to function successfully as adults. When we have done our job well, our children will depend on the Lord just as much as they once depended on us. When I was researching this sermon, I came across the seven B's of good discipline, so I wanted to share them because I thought they were rather helpful. Uh, the first one, be consistent. Have fewer rules and enforce them fairly. Remember, God summarized his will in only 10 commandments. Wise parents keep it simple so their children won't forget what really matters. Two, be calm. This is, a, this is a hard one. Many parents have gotten into trouble because they discipline during a moment of sudden anger. Often our temper causes us to do or say things we later regret. It is better to walk away than to discipline in anger. This is why Colossians 3.21 warns, Fathers, do not provoke your, provoke your children, 
lest they become discouraged. And Ephesians 4.31 tells us, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Three, be clear. Have definite standards of right and wrong. Make sure your children knows the consequences of disobedience. Before you punish, tell the child what rule he or she has broken. Otherwise, the opportunity for learning may be lost. Be prompt. Don't drag out your discipline. Deal with the problem in hand and then move on. According to Ecclesiastes 8.11, when the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. Be fair. When your children disobey, make sure you get all the facts before you do anything. Proverbs 18.17 tells us that the first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. Substitute his sister or his brother for another, and you get the point. Take time to hear all sides before you render your final verdict. I can say this happens to us on a daily basis in our household, where Annabelle will say, Harvey did it, Harvey says Annabelle did it, and I just watch them clobber each other for about five minutes between them. So, um, hear all sides beforehand. Be merciful. This is a basic biblical principle covering all human relationships. Be merciful just as God is merciful. Don't break the spirit of your children. Don't beat them or abuse them. Don't humiliate them in public or in private. Be forgiving. When the discipline is done, don't hold a grudge. Do what needs to be done and then move on. Aren't we all glad that God doesn't hold grudges against each of us? He forgives and then he forgets. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let God's forgiveness be the standard, and your discipline will lead to joy and not to heartache. If we want to raise happy, healthy, well-adjusted kids, we must love them enough to say no, to set limits, to establish boundaries, and to take action when those limits are willfully violated. We as parents have an awesome responsibility. God has ordained that parents are the single greatest factor in the spiritual growth of their children. No one can take our place. The pastor can't, the Sunday school teacher can't, the Christian school teachers can't. It's up to us. Someday we'll all stand before the Lord to give an account of what we have done on this earth. As parents, <coughs> we will answer for how we have raised our children. In that day, the Lord will not ask, did you know the latest theory on how to raise children? But he will ask, did you train your children to love and serve me? What answer will we give? because no excuses will be accepted. There, of course, can be no Christian family without Christ as the true head of the home. And to be head of the home, he must be resident in our hearts. Without him, we are truly lost in this life and in the life to come. But with him, we can build strong Christian families that will stand during all the storms of our lives. If you want heaven to help your home, you need Jesus in your heart. Trust in him. Make him your Lord and Savior. I urge you all this evening to open your heart and invite him to come in. May God help you to do it. Your life and your family will never be the same for it. If there's any way that we can help you, won't you let us know while together we stand and we sing. <laughs>